Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express Network. Talk radio that informs. Talk radio that inspires. Talk radio that enlightens. Talk radio for us all. Blessings, the doctor is in. I'm Dr. Linda Wiley, certified relationship specialist and life coach. Welcome to Relationship Remedies for Us, the place to discuss hot topics related to the health of your relationships. So bring us your questions, your concerns, and your comments. Most of all, bring an open mind. If you want to get in on today's conversation, you can give us a call at 347-637-2319. Again, 347-637-2319. But those of you who don't know me, I am the author of Tame Your Tongue and Transform Your Relationship and the CEO of Turning Point Leadership Group, where we not only help you identify the need for significant change in your life, but we provide tools and support to help. If something in your life needs new direction, let us help you find your turning point. So what are we talking about today? You know, everything we do here on Relationship Remedies for Us is about strengthening the individual to strengthen the family for a stronger community and a stronger society. And so one of the things that the um, producer and the host of the Coco Express brought to my attention was she said, Dr. Linda, we need to do something about some of the comments that are going on in social media where we are denigrating girls and women. And many times it's black girls and women denigrating black girls and women. So what we're going to talk about today is mean girls in today's social media environment. Mean girls in today's social media environment. And let me just, one of the reasons why this is so important, let me share with you some of the statistics from 2015. So I looked up cyberbullying, and basically cyberbullying is just bullying that takes place over electronic technology. So when we bully people on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, any any of those technologies, email, anything that's electronic, when we're bullying in that capacity, it's cyberbullying. And in 2015 alone, looking at students, young people, 43% of students reported that they had been the victim of cyberbullying. That's almost half. That means almost half of our young people, in addition to going to school and having to deal with the subject matter, having to deal with, you know, all of the anxiety that goes along with trying to fit in and, you know, present yourself in a good way and deal with all of the challenges in the world, almost half of our students are also being bullied by their peers. 15% of students who were surveyed admitted to doing it. So you know if 15% admitted it, many more were. So it almost boils down to you'd like to think that half of the students are doing the bullying and half are being bullied, but in reality some of the students that are being bullied 
are then turning around and bullying other students as well. And we really need to stop because we do know the impact that it has on people. Research also tells us that girls are more likely than boys to experience bullying. I mean, by a wide margin, 40.6% of girls have been cyberbullied, 28.2% of boys. And so, again, is it because girls are more into hair and fashion and weight and those kinds of things and they find things to pick on? Um, is it that, you know, what we've been, we've been hearing for so many years that girls are just petty and catty? Where is all of this stuff coming from? It's got to stop. We have such a bad impact on other people when we do this. So when children or anyone, for that matter, is bullied, it impacts their self-esteem. Quite naturally, if people repeatedly tell you that you're overweight or you're ugly or your hair is messed up, it causes you to feel unworthy. And one of the stories that really pulls at my heart is when we look at the Olympics, when we look at the phenomenal things that these young black girls, despite so many odds for many of them, have accomplished. You know, look at a Gabby Douglas. Look at a Simone Biles. Look at Simone Manuels. You know, when you look at all the things that these young girls have accomplished, we're talking it's enough of an accomplishment to make it to the Olympics. But then to medal and come away with multiple gold medals, and what we see in social media is more commentary about their hair than anything else. That is really sad. That is really sad. So we know that it impacts self-esteem. We also know that it impacts depression. People who are bullied tend to be more depressed. And so many times when you see young people who are lethargic, they don't want to get involved in school activities or hang out with friends, they just lie around and sleep all day, those are indicators that they might be depressed, and it's a good indicator for parents and caregivers to see what's going on in their lives. Because all of this causes people to feel powerless, and we don't want our folks feeling powerless. We're going to talk in a little bit about how this transitions into the workplace, because mean girls come in all sizes. You know, there's some Mm -hmm. mean women out there, too, and we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. that a little bit. But um, those are some of the effects that come from from cyberbullying. So I've got a few more statistics for you, but I can hear our producer in the background, Miss Aurelia, who came up with this wonderful topic. Uh, sounds like you might have a comment for us, Aurelia. Yes, yes, I do. When you said that, you know, bullying in the workplace, you know, the funny thing is, the for me, sometimes I look at the workplace and some of the places that I've been employed in as, it's like being in junior high school all over again. Yes. You know, and it's just amazing to me. And some of those same characters and those same characteristics and cliques all seem to reappear sometimes in the workplace. I agree. And that's why I said mean girls come in all sizes. And what happens is, like, going, I don't have the stats for the workplace, but going back to the students again, 25% of the incidents where people were cyberbullied leads to face-to-face confrontation. So it makes you have to wonder when we hear about workplace violence, when we hear about people going back to the job and, you know, taking out their entire office or whatever, it makes you wonder if there was some bullying that was going on. Now, granted, we may not call it bullying when we're dealing with adults, but it's the same thing. When you are constantly tearing people down, when you are putting them down 
for their appearance, their work, their personality, or anything else, what ends up happening is self-esteem goes down, depression and feelings of powerlessness go up, and it leads to -to face-to-face confrontation. With the students, they found that 13% of the students that were cyberbullied did not want to go to school the next day. So when you don't want to be there and you feel like everyone is looking down on you and talking about you behind your back, just imagine what that does to performance. And many times the teachers don't know what's going on. Sometimes they do, but quite often they don't know what's going on. So they look at a student that's not performing well and just make the assumption that that student is not up to par, that they have some uh, weakness within their ability to learn or they're not as bright as some of the other students. And in many cases, that's not it. It's just that they are dealing with so much. So in this world today, when particularly young students of color have so many other things to be concerned about. I mean, we already know that in some cases, not saying everywhere, but in some cases, schools in the inner city, which are predominantly uh, full of students of color, have fewer resources. The teachers may not be as good because they may be the, the newer teachers or the ones with less experience or the ones that aren't as good, sometimes get relegated to those neighborhoods. They don't have um, the books and supplies and things that they need. The students are already starting out behind everybody else. Then you add to it things like the bullying, the depression, the self-esteem, et cetera. Then you add to it the face-to-face confrontation. Then you add to it that many students in the uh, lower socioeconomic neighborhoods come to school hungry because there wasn't food for breakfast and many of them are are going without lunch. And then you add the fact that they have to be fearful in some cases of what may happen to me on the streets by the people who have sworn to protect and serve me. All of this is no wonder why we see students acting out, why we see suicide rates increasing. And, um, you know, on the subject of suicide, in 2014, suicide rates were 24% higher than they were back in 1999. There are all these additional pressures that young people have on them. And if they don't have a good support system, you know, parents, grandparents, friends, you know, neighborhood associates, whatever the case might be, if they don't have people that they can talk to, people who will listen to them, church, mosque, synagogue, whatever, they often go astray and start to enter into self-destructive behaviors. It's bad enough that sometimes that self-destructive behavior looks like um, promiscuity or drugs and alcohol, but sometimes they harm themselves. And so in 2014, suicide was the second highest cause of death for people ages 15 to 24. How sad is that? Their lives have not even started and they're taking their own lives because of all the things I just mentioned. There are more kids between the ages of 15 to 24 killing themselves than being killed by others because suicide outranked homicide as being a cause of death. So it's estimated that one suicide intimately affects six people. 37% of students surveyed either tried it, created a plan for it, or seriously considered it. Again, let me, let me say that again because that number is just astounding. 30% of the students who participated in the survey 
said that they had either attempted suicide, they had created a plan for how they were going to kill themselves, or they at least sat down and seriously considered it. So mean girls in today's social media environment is no joke. We are cyberbullying. We are talking about irrelevant things like hair. We are commenting on cute little girls like Blue Ivy Carter and talking about her being ugly. First of all, she's not an ugly little girl. She, I think she's very cute. I think maybe people look at the fact that she looks more like Jay-Z than she does like Queen Bee, and that may be where the commentary is coming from. But I think she's a cute little girl. Always, any picture I've seen of her, well-dressed, well-groomed, all of that. So why do we have, as grown people, nothing better to do with our time than to comment on the looks of that innocent little girl and put it all over social media for her perhaps at a later age to see And I've already told you the effects that it can have. You know, it's just like shame on people who sit around and do things like that. If you have that much time on your hands, why not go volunteer with some of these young kids who could really use a mentor, a role model, a friend, a counselor, a confidant? But I just, I don't know, Aurelia, I just shake my head at the number of people, primarily grown women, who have nothing better to do with their time than tear apart young girls who are trying to move their lives in a positive direction. Well, I'm going to chime in. I I believe, you know, this is me speaking on my behalf. I believe that a lot of times there's a jealousy factor in there somewhere where these people who are making these comments and statements didn't have something in their lives. So they just keep lashing out at others who have that something that they're missing. If you notice, like yeah. for example, um, God, you know, God rest her soul, um, Bobby Christina, she was, I mean, constantly hit with all kinds of, of of comments via social media, and I'm sure it had some kind of effect on her. I'm sure it did. Yeah. No, you're exactly right, and it there are a lot of things. So many times, the people who are doing the bullying don't have a good self concept, and so their way of elevating themselves is pulling others down. You know, it's like the old crabs in the barrel effect. Every time somebody tries to elevate, we're going to pull you down. Rather than me trying to do the things I need to do to elevate myself, I'm going to try to drag you back down here in the muck and the mire where I am. And I do think many many times it does come from a place of jealousy. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't have, so I don't want you to have. So the Mm -hmm. jealousy, the low self-esteem and poor self-concept, all of those things, come into play. And to some extent, I think we have, we being society, we have um, glamorized some of the mean girl stuff. I mean, think about it. There were movies about mean girls. Um, Mm -hmm. You hear how, not that this glamorized it, but I remember watching something where some of the um, black actresses, we're talking about the whole mean girl concept and how, in fact, Gabrielle Union fessed up to the fact that she used to be one of the mean girls. She would mm-hmm. not talk to certain other black actresses. Again, it's almost like, and it goes back to what you're saying about the jealousy. It's people have this idea that there's only so much of any one thing in the world to go around. And if I support you in getting yours, it may somehow impact on me getting mine. And what we all need to know is that the story has already been written. 
You know, God is the author and finisher of our faith. He already knows how your story is going to end. He knew it long before you got here. What is for you is for you, and nobody else can take it away from you. Now, you can miss out on it by, you know, your behavior, your disobedience, not being where you should be at the right point in time, but this whole concept of trying to keep somebody from getting something that belongs to you is such a misnomer because nobody can take away anything that God has given to you. If it's for you, it's for you. So we really have to move beyond that. And, you know, I mentioned that it's it's girls of all ages. You know, it takes yes. place in the workplace as well. I have been doing a uh, workshop in a number of different corporations where the organization is interested in helping women be successful. And so I call the presentation the it factor because what we're really missing is this thing called self-efficacy. So let me back up a little bit. We know from research that women in leadership positions have more confidence, by and large, than women who aren't. One of the key factors, I should probably say it this way, one of the key factors in helping a woman to be successful is her confidence level. And so it's the confidence that kind of propels you to those levels, one of the factors. Of course, you need the knowledge and the skills, et cetera, the opportunities. But confidence helps propel you to certain levels. And, of course, the better you do, the more successful you are, the more confident you become. So it just kind of keeps cycling around. But within confidence, confidence is not just an all-or-nothing thing. Within confidence, there are factors that contribute to that, and one of those factors is something that, Psychologist Albert Bandura refers to as self-efficacy. So according to Bandura, and if you've not heard of Bandura, he is said to be one of the top foremost influential psychologists in the world. So we all know about Freud. We've heard about Jung. We've heard about Skinner. Bandura is probably, um, by some estimation, number four in that ranking. So confidence is kind of the belief in yourself and your own powers and abilities. But what Bandura says is that self-efficacy is a contributing factor to confidence. Whereas confidence is general and nonspecific, self-efficacy is very specific. It's of the belief in your capabilities to achieve something that's very specific. So, for instance, I'm, if you look at me in terms of confidence or self-efficacy, I'm a confident woman, but when it comes to the self-efficacy around being a world-class gymnast like uh, like Gabby or Simone, no. No self-efficacy there because I already know, it's grounded in truth and reality, that I am not good in that area. So confidence can be something very general, specific is uh, self-efficacy. But it does, they do relate to one another. And so what research tells us is it's not enough to just be confident. You have to also have a, a high level of self-efficacy. So, again, going back to the gymnast example, we can kill someone's self-esteem and confidence by talking about their physical looks instead of focusing on their physical abilities. That is going to impact how well they perform. And it takes a very strong mind to block out all of the negativity that's being said about you and still do well at whatever the chosen task happens to be. And not everyone is able to do that quite naturally. So there was a study done on um, females entering the workplace. And of the women that they surveyed, they said 43% of female employees 
had this aspiration to be top management. So, again, almost half of them wanted to get to top management. But after two years on the job, the women's aspiration levels dropped by over 60%, leaving only 16% of them thinking that they could reach those executive roles. So you had almost half who wanted it, but after two years on the job, you were down to only 16% who thought they could reach it. There was something in that workplace environment. And again, for lack of another term, I'm going to call it the bullying that takes place at work. When we are undermining other women, whether it's about their appearance or their capabilities or something else, we're impacting the likelihood that they will make it to top-level positions. And so many times we want to look around and blame it on this, that, and the other. Women aren't doing well because of sexism. Women aren't doing well because, you know, for women of color it's racism. Women aren't doing well for you can fill in the blanks. And I'm not saying that those things don't exist. I'm not saying that those things don't contribute to the low numbers of women in top management positions. But there's something else we have to look at. So how often is it that, a woman comes in and she's successful, and one of the first things other women want to know is, who's she sleeping with to get to that position? Or how come she came in here with, you know, just a couple of years, I've been here all these years, and now she's my boss? You know, it's those kinds of things. Instead of us rallying behind that woman and saying, wow, she's made it, I need to talk to her and find out how she did it, we want to go back to the old crabs in the barrel again and find all of the reasons to justify why she doesn't belong there and why it should have been me. So when those things are going on, on top of the sexism, the racism, uh, whatever else might be taking place within that corporate environment, those are the things that make women after two years sort of say, you know what, I don't know if I can get to the top in this organization because there's so many barriers that are getting in my way. So that reminds me of some of the things that you were saying a little while ago, you know, talking about some of the stuff that happens in the corporate environment. I don't know mm-hmm. if there are any particular examples or stories that come to mind, but what, what is your thought about that and the, the study I just mentioned? Well, the study you just mentioned is really interesting because of the simple fact that the statistics are just astonishing, you know, and true. I mean, I've, in all honesty, I have worked in several different I guess you could say, um, professions. And I've observed so much in all of those different scenarios. I've even, you know, as a kid, um, when I was involved in sports, the, the, um, the bullying there in itself was really difficult. And if you didn't have a thick skin, you didn't last very long. But mm. on the, in the workplace, it doesn't seem or appear to be any different in all the scenarios that I've seen. Um, you have, you know, the mean girls. And, you know, it, it plays out so so famously. You have the mean girls who um, work at a job and they have a very, I guess you could say, visible position on their jobs and everything, and they take the social media to, to you know, share their discomfort or their disgruntled issues and they wind up losing their job because of that mean girl mentality and mindset. So, you know, it's really interesting that in today's, I guess you could say, spectrum and platform, we really have to be careful. We really have to be mindful because what we're doing is going to be modeled. 
So our behavior is being modeled. So the mean girls of yesterday didn't have social media, but the mean girls of today mm. have modeled that behavior and they have social media. So they're using every platform that they have to dis- deconstruct people and, and display their ugliness. Yeah. And it, isn't it sad that tools that were created to help us are being used to hurt us? You know, mm-hmm. the, the folks behind, you know, when, when the people came up with Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, Periscope, anything else that they're using out there, it was not so that we could blast other people and tear them down, yet we turned something that was created for good and we're using it for evil. It really is a sad state of affairs. But you're right, you know, bullying has been going on for centuries, but it's taken to a whole nother level because there's so many platforms that, which, uh, that, that are at people's disposal in order to denigrate other people and make them feel bad. So what can we do about it? Let's, let's shift a little bit. So at the top of the show, and, again, there's still time to chime in if you'd like, if you want to participate in the conversation. You know, we can always tell there are a lot of people on the lines listening, but many times people just don't want to speak, and that's fine. We're glad you're listening. But if you want to give a comment or ask a question, call in to 347-637-2319. And at the top of the show, I mentioned that bullying often leads to uh, – at its worst, suicide, but it leads to decreased self-esteem, increased depression, and increased feelings of powerlessness, which translate themselves. They will sometimes follow you throughout life. So as a young girl, you know, sometimes people will say, well, they're just being kids, or kids do mean things. No, that's not acceptable. We need to stop it. And as parents and educators and just responsible adults, we need to stop it when we see it happen because, as I said, it will follow that young girl into womanhood and significantly impact her ability to do well in the workplace if she has these feelings of low self-worth. And what it might do is cause her to sort of, in her mind, pay back the people that did those things to her as a child, and without consciously thinking about it, the abused now becomes the abuser, and she will be um, bullying in an adult style, women in the workplace. But if you find that this might fit you, you've been cyberbullied or bullied some other how, and you're not sure how to rectify it, work on your confidence level, work on your self-efficacy. So pick that one thing that you really want to excel in. And from there, you can then go to other things and other things. But if you start with one thing, start small, start with one thing first as you gain confidence in that area, it then gives you what you need to take on another area. So here are some things that you can work on. As far as contributors to self-efficacy, one is something that's known as mastery experiences. That means things you have succeeded at in the past. So you want to become as mindful as you can of places where you've succeeded in the past. The more success you experience, the more success you're likely to enjoy in the future. So think positively, develop some good achievable goals for yourself, surround yourself in a motivating environment. That's not just the people, but that's, you know, make your home or your office as as cheery and pleasant as it can be. Put up signs about, you know, affirmations and positive statements. Um, Do your own work to improve 
whatever skills you think you might be lacking in. So self-mastery, is um, uh, mastery experiences is one. A second one would be vicarious experiences. That means seeing people who are similar to you succeed. So if you haven't quite gotten there yet, look around and see someone who you think might be similar to you, either in terms of age or ability, uh, skill set, experience, whatever, but look for their success. And instead of pulling them down or coming up with negative things as to how they were given an opportunity that you weren't, try to network with people who are successful and accomplished. There's that saying about if you're the smartest person in your group, you need a new group. Look for people who are doing better than you and hang with them. Look for a mentor with a similar background and learn from everybody around you. The third one then is social persuasion. And that's hearing from others that you're capable. You need to find people who will pour into you. You need to find people who will encourage you and uplift you. You can only do so much on your own. So while it's good to be optimistic and think positively, you also have to find people who will pour into you and encourage you. You guys know in my book I talk about the four tongues. And that tongue we should all aspire to is the caring tongue. That's the one that's the encourager, the uplifter, sort of the cheerleader behind the scenes. We all need that. And the last one is emotional status. That means making sure that you stay positive and you manage the stress in your life. Stress is something that's going to come, you know, but we have to work on minimizing it, preventing it, eradicating it. And so learn some good key stress management techniques. Do things for yourself to take care of yourself so that you have those, that downtime of relaxation. It's going to be different for different people. For some, it's going to the spa. Others, it might be running through the neighborhood to work off some stress. Some people like to just sit in a bubble bath and relax. Other people might read with a glass of wine. Find whatever it is and make sure you do that to minimize your stress. These are just some things to help you with the self-efficacy, which will then increase your confidence, which will help you combat the people in your life that might be guilty of bullying you. So hopefully something that was said here today had a positive effect. Uh, I'd like to thank you, as always, for spending time with me. It's my desire to strengthen families by prescribing remedies for your relationship health. I can be reached uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm open to hearing from you, uh, comments about the show, suggestions for future shows. If you want to reach me, my website is drlindawiley.com. That's D-R-L-I-N-D-A-W-I-L-E-Y, drlindawiley.com. Or you can call me toll-free at 855-771-4849. Again, 855-771-4849. This has been Relationship Remedies for Us. I'm Dr. Linda Wiley, and the doctor is now out. Thanks for tuning in. For more content, visit us at thecocoexpressshow.com, Blog Talk Radio, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.